This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. Let's go! In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Championship 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 Leadership Podcast Championship Leadership Podcast With Nate Bailey Hey what's up everybody Nate Bailey here Championship Leadership Podcast and I had the pleasure today to spend some time with Sabrina Stanley. She's a professional ultra runner who lives in Silverton, Colorado. She just won her 10th ultra in a row, which is amazing. Uh, the Diagonal des Fou, which is a 100-mile race with over 30,000 feet of climbing in France. She's the first American male or female to crack the top six in the race's 27-year history. Some of the other noteworthy races, she won the Hurt 100 as the first female in 2019, the Hard Rock 100 as the first female in 2018. She took third. Uh, she was the third female finisher in 2017 at the uh, Western State. So Sabrina, she grew up in a small town in, West, in Washington State, five siblings. She played a plethora of team sports. Running became a passion and a hobby in high school. When she moved to Colorado as an adult, she was introduced to trail running. So for her first attempt at 100 miles, we get into this in the podcast as well. In 2015, she left, uh, left her, uh, only, her one and only to date DNF, did not finish after she had to drop out at mile 87 in the Leadville 100, her very first 100 mile race. And this is really what has propelled her to where she's at today in her professional racing ultra running career. Um, she decided that she was going to be one of the best trail runners at all costs to her social life and current career. And so in 2018, she was voted the eighth best American ultra runner of the year and is hoping in 2019 to show vast improvement and all signs are definitely pointing that way. So it was an incredible time with, with uh, Sabrina today. Uh, just an incredible message, incredible story. And so with that, I would love to introduce you to Sabrina Stanley. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Championship Leadership Podcast here. And I'm really excited. We have Sabrina Stanley. You can tell just, just finished the Diagonal Defu, uh, one of the 
Bike mile races out there. And uh, she took the first female. This is the first American, I believe, ever to do that. She's she's uh, been on the scene not that long since 2015. Is the first time you attempted 100 miles? Is that right? Yeah, I would say I've been, I guess, officially on the scene since like 2016, uh, 2007 or 2015 was just like barely dipping my big toe into the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as the listeners know, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a, a definite amateur when it comes to 100 mile races, but I, I enjoy the mental side of it more than the challenge that there is. But uh, I just appreciate you being here. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. Um, I agree with you on 100 milers. It's, it's so much more mental and physical, and that's that's why I enjoy them too. Yeah, yeah. And so I like to start it off always by just asking the name of the podcast is Championship Leadership. What, what comes to mind for you, especially as a, a highly elite and competitive runner, um, championship leadership? I'm interested to hear what, what you mean. Um, I would say just keeping yourself accountable to yourself. Um, so like getting out and whether it's work or training or whatever your passion is, like putting yourself into a hundred percent and then, you know, being honest when you're not, or when you have a down day or whatever, and then remaining positive through that. Um, because it's easy to slip into that negative mindset and then just get into that rut. And it's so hard to break free of that. So just being, being self accountable. Um, and then when knowing when you're slacking and pushing even harder the next time. Yeah, no, that's great. And so, well, let's, let's tell everyone else, you know, I was, I was saying right before, I did a Spartan, and I, uh, I didn't get to meet you, but you were introduced to us as we were about to do a, a trail run. And, and um, how did you, like, what's your story? Yeah, how did you get into this? Um, we could talk a little bit more about just the experiences of what you learned. For sure. Yeah, so um, I grew up one of six kids, um, so there's a lot in my family. Um, and my parents always had us in team sports and super competitive, um, like always. I guess like wrestling with my brothers or like who can do this the fastest or who's the strongest doing this or like whatever it was, it was a competition. Um, but I was never in individual sports, um, including anything running. I was never really like pushed in that direction. Um, and then in high school, it kind of stumbled upon this girl said she ran seven miles a day. And so I was like, Oh, that sounds like crazy. Like I've never heard of anybody <laughs> running more than a mile. Yeah. And so I think I was a sophomore in high school and I, ran 7.2 miles every single day just I like I started doing it like can I do this and then it became like an addiction like oh I have to get my run in yeah. um, and it was the same like seven mile path every yeah. single day uh, okay. which now sounds crazy to me but uh, so that was like where I learned to love running um, and then in college I kind of did it just to stay in shape um, traveled around a little bit and ended up in Colorado um, and that's where I discovered trails. I was living in a small town and you can't really run the highways because it's yeah. just not safe where I came from a bunch of country roads and that's all you ran. Yeah. Um, so moving to Colorado, like forced me onto the trails and I was living right next door to Leadville, which has Leadville 100. And so I'm yeah. like, Oh, I'm just going to put my name into this. I'd done like five marathons. So I'm, I'm going to put my name into this and see what happens. My name was drawn in the lottery and, um, that first hundred miler, I ended up dropping at 87 due to time cutoff. Um, okay. And like I had family fly out and like, I had these like grand visions of like, 
I'm going to go out there and just be like the fastest girl they've ever seen and all this stuff. And so when it all came crashing down at mile 87, like I was distraught. And I said, I actually um, moved to New York for a job and was there for eight months and put my name in for Leadville again. And I said, if my name gets drawn for Leadville again, like that's a sign and I have to go back to Colorado and I have to do it right. My name doesn't get drawn and I'm going to pursue this corporate career and I'm going to be like, I don't know, living in a penthouse in New York city. (laughs) And, um, so my name was drawn. And so I gave up my job and like took like, I don't know, a huge, huge pay cut and started working at a local running store in Breckenridge. And, um, I said, like, I'm going to give everything to this, this passion. And so I, um, hit up Avery Collins on Facebook. I'm like, can you grab a beer with me? Like, I want to pick your brain. Cause he was like on the upcome, I guess. And like, starting to be really successful in it and so I just wanted to to be as good as I could be um and so through meeting him I learned how to train and um it kind of just took off and every year I feel like I reach a new level and I'm, I'm super super excited it's I'm literally living my dream so it's kind of crazy to to think back to like when I first started and how bad I wanted it then you know yeah yeah that's awesome so I I mean I can relate because my very first one I got, I, I missed the cutoff and it was really my fault more than anything, but, but I definitely wasn't prepared like I should have been either. But, um, for you, so you, like you, you literally like your path in life was kind of up to whether, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. That's what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to go live in a penthouse in New York. Um, (laughs) what are the chances? Number one, that you get, you get picked two years in a row. Right. I don't know the, the stats on getting picked for Leadville. Um, I, I have heard, and this is all hearsay, so who knows what's real, that if you're a female, like your chances are much, much higher. Okay. Um, but I've also heard of people that have been in the lottery for three or four years and haven't got drawn. Um, all right. So you're I don't really know. You're definitely destined to be doing what you're doing, I think, right? I would assume so, yeah. I mean, I, I like to think to some extent like you choose your own path and like I would have ended up here regardless yeah um but yeah my name getting drawn definitely like I try I think a month later I put in my two weeks and um yeah I was out of there it's like it's just there's no mountains to run in New York City so I I gotta go somewhere else that's incredible so tell me yeah how do you and, or do you, what's the process for you after a race, you know, win or, win or lose, you've been doing a lot of winning lately, which is, which is amazing, but of course, it's not by chance for that either, because you put in, put in miles and you're out there uh, preparing yourself to, to be there. So, but what, how do you really take the experiences from each race, from race to race, to be better in the next one, and in life? Outside? Yeah, um, I... I feel like it's not, to me, it's not like a negative perspective, but at the same time, like, I feel like I could always, always do better. Like no matter how good my race was, mm-hmm. like there's always a second to be earned here or a minute here, or how long did I spend in the aid stations? You know, was I being mentally weak here and like letting my pace slack off more than I should have? Um, and so I just kind of like relook at that. And then if I don't see any like follies in any of those, then it's okay. Then could I have trained better to be faster? Like, yeah, I was pushing hundred percent the entire race, but could I have been faster? And how do I do that outside of race day, you know? Um, and so I'd say that's kind of like my big takeaway from, from any race. And I like to like 
dig through my races and like really talk about it. Um, so like Avery kind of just has to listen to me kind of work my way through the race afterwards. Um, and then outside of, of racing, I think, I don't know. It just, I would say in, when it comes to my training and my racing, I'm very type A when it comes to life outside of that, I'm not type A at all. Yeah. Uh, just cause I like, I feel like I put so much energy into being like so dialed in for my races that it's nice to like breathe a little bit outside of that and just be more, like not like flippant, but just more relaxed and not so like on edge all the time. Like this isn't perfect or this isn't where it's supposed to go. So like, um, I think there's a nice balance there of um, like being driven in something, but at the same time, not carrying that over into your daily life and just being too, I don't know, analytical with everything. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, that's a great balance, right? Because that, when you think of the best of the best, like you can think like Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan comes to mind and, and I think it kind of spilled over into all areas of their life to where maybe it was just, it was all basketball, it was all whatever right. top of their game you look at. Really the rest of their life kind of gets burnt to the ground. <laughs> For sure, yeah. And it sounds like, you know, you have, you have a great, like it is definitely in the running but you're not allowing that to like just take over everything else definitely yeah i'd say i'm def like a lot more i don't know if carefree is the right word but mm -hmm. if we're not associated with running i'm definitely a lot more relaxed <laughs> yeah so so you know is there someone that really um helped, helped uh to, to get you to this path? Like, have you always been driven to want to do a little bit better or to really, um, you know, pour everything that you have into it to, to be the best or, you know, or yeah. Where did, where did this drive come from? Um, I think it's just honestly like trial and error. Like I knew my end point and I know where I want to be. And I knew like my five year, my 10 year, my 20 year, like what are my big goals in life and how do I get there and start on a small scale. So like, in one year, if that's where you want to be, like, how do you get there? And it, you don't always reach it, but through failing, like you learn, I could have done this better, you know? And so I would say, I don't know if it was like self-taught, cause like, I would say my, my parents are pretty driven, um, especially my mother, but um, yeah, I just, just trial and error. Like, how do I get to where I want to be and, and make that goal number one? And so then everything else goes by the wayside. Like if, if this, hypothetical like piece of cake is it going to help me get to the finish line in first place and I'm probably not going to have it but at the same time if I'm in off season or it's not like a huge training week or something like I do give myself that leeway so um and just being like hyper focused months years in advance um I think is really the key mm -hmm. so do, do you think that you know the, your first experience at 100 miles did that help you? Had you had had you finished? Would, do you think that there would there would have been you would have come out of that differently? Oh, for sure. If I'd finished, I think I would have been like, oh, I could have done faster here, done this better, but I would have like put myself in like a middle of the pack box and like this yeah. is what I'm capable of doing 100 miles. Like, yeah even though it was my first attempt, like that's just how good I am. And that's, that's what I came away with. But right. through failing the next time I ran a hundred miles, like I knew I was going into it, like 
with the best preparation I could have at that point for my knowledge of, of how the sport works. And so when I went into my second one and I, I took fourth at Leadville that year, um, and like my dream going in was top 10 female, which top 10 female at Leadville, like I wouldn't say it's crazy competitive. Okay. Um, and so top 10, I told my boyfriend Avery at the time, like this is my goal. And he kind of laughed. He's like, you can definitely do that. And so coming away fourth was to me like huge confidence boost. And then um, after that, I ran uh, a golden ticket race to get into Western States and took second. And my time on that race course was comparable to elites at the time. Yeah. So then I went into Western and took third at Western. And so it was just like this snowball effect, like each race got better and better. And then I started like comparing my time to other females. I'm like, Oh, I can do this. And I like, just think if I have like years under my belt instead of like eight months or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so I just became more and more dialed in as, as I progressed. Yeah. So are there, are there certain races out there where you just like, you really are driven to be like, I would really like love to, to win this race or this, this race and it seems like you know even distances like are you kind of is 100 miles where you're at there's is 200 miles in the picture um, yeah for sure I would say um, Leadville Western I would like to win Hard Rock in both directions um, so Leadville Western Hard Rock and there's oh UTMB I know it sounds crazy but I would like to win each of those races at least once in my lifetime and I think I will um, it's just timing and making sure you get to the start line not not injured and being patient I mean you could run Western Hard Rock UTMB the same year but you might do well at Western and then like each progress each race after that is your I feel like your body just gets more and more beat up so I take mm -hmm. my race schedule pretty seriously and make sure that if I'm at a start line I'm at 100% um, and I don't over race and so those would be like my big four and then if you want to throw in a 200 miler I would say a Tour de Jean which is in Italy um, okay. so I crewed it yeah I crewed it for Avery last year I'm just to be honest I'm scared of that race like I'm scared to sign up for it because I feel like that's a commitment like you're not running I mean depending on on your recovery but most people I talk to after doing that race like they're on the couch for six months afterwards because there's like 200 miles just does a number to your body yeah. um, so that one might be a little bit more in the the distant future um, but I, I think 100 miles is where I excel and so while I'm good at that I'm gonna try and do the most competitive races and do them well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, and you, you mentioned Avery multiple times as someone that definitely uh, impacts you and in, in, in your running and in your life. Uh, yeah, so talk to me, you know, who are one or two people that really, maybe as a coach, as a leader that you've looked up to directly or indirectly, who, who have been some, some of those people and, and so who are they, number one, but also like really what have they brought to your life to, that you've really learned from to, to implement into what you're doing today yeah um so obviously like the most direct correlation to somebody that's affected by running is avery um from the moment i met him we started running together um and he just showed me the kind of weekly mileage i should, put in, should be putting in the um like types of workouts how often um the amount of vertical um just like he really dialed in my training um and then outside of running i would say uh my grandpa he was paralyzed at the age of 27 um and was told he's never gonna walk again like that whole like story you've probably heard a million times and when um he got out of hospital he said like i'm gonna walk again and like he was his muscles all like atrophied and like his legs never like worked again but 
he like had these crutches and would like swing his legs and walk and like he he had his pilot's license and he drove and he was just the most positive person um that I've ever met with like probably one of the roughest hands that he could have been dealt in life and so um just his last few years of life he lived um he lived with us and I was in high school and so just being around that like positive energy nonstop and just a true fighter from from the go um I think really like like no matter what happens to you like you can get through it and um I couldn't imagine at 27 um being super active and like losing my motion from the waist down and so um I would say he's a, a big influence as well in my life yeah yeah thank you for sharing that I appreciate that and um how important it is is it to you to as you win more races right i would imagine you're starting to see more attention um good and good and possibly bad i don't know but um you know as you get that i think also there's been people that probably start to look up to you probably even you know younger girls uh, look up to you and be like man i want to do that I wanna, I wanna yeah do like how much of that do you think about as you are on this journey um I do think about it and I, I feel yeah with every race like this last one I just did um there's it was mainly little girls would come up to me and ask for my autograph or That's even so cool. like their mothers like wanted pictures with me and like it was so like the French are very like it's a real not that it's not a real sport in America but like the yeah. French and well just Europe in general like trail running is a whole nother level yeah. um like most races are televised and people follow it and they know like the race um i don't know like the schedule and they uh -huh. want to know what races you're doing next where in america like if you tell your family you're doing a race they've never heard of it and like they'll follow you but they don't really fully grasp the level um like they don't follow the sport you know they, they follow your your races um and so yeah just this last race like having all those people come up to me afterwards and like it's it's just so surreal um yeah i i feel like in the sport itself like i'm a little bit more outspoken than, than some athletes and i have gotten some negative feedback with that <laughs> so i've like tried to really like not spend a lot of time on facebook or instagram or, or whatever it is because i feel like it's just like a negative mental space to like yeah like it's either people complaining about something or um blaming other people's for people for why their race went bad or, or whatever it is and like it's hard for me to bite my tongue and be like you should probably just look in the mirror um and so I've kind of tried to distance myself from most social media and um you can even like set up a timer on Instagram so it'll tell you like my Instagram tells me if I've been on it for more than 10 minutes a day and so like, okay, that's really? I know it's like, I know it's like I time to step away yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and if like I see my 10 minute timer go off like it lights up my screen I'm like shoot like yeah. The goal is not to reach that 10 minutes every day, you know? Yeah. Um, right. And so, yeah, I would say just like trying to not worry about other people, like stay focused on what you're, you're going after. And um, hopefully that's, that's a good influence to, to other little girls out there who are dreaming of, of being in this position. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I just feel uh, lucky that you saw my message on Instagram now, knowing that you have a 10 minute timer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't abide by it as, as often as I should. I mean, I try yeah, yeah. to, I really do. Yeah. But uh, I mean, there are some days where it's just like, I don't, it's a drug. Like it, it. social media oh, yeah, is a drug. Sure. And like, I, I have been getting better, I'd say over the last year, but 
I mean, there was, you know, a time where you look down at your phone and you realize like, I haven't done anything productive in like the last hour. Like what, a, like, where is this time gone? And am I better for it after this yeah. hour? Probably not, you know? And so, yeah, yeah that's just my take on social media. Totally, totally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. What's, um, tell us a little bit about, yeah, training and do you, you typically run on your own you, you, you train with other people uh, how much how much mileage do you put in on a typical week let's say leading into a race um, yeah um so i would say it really depends on the time of year and the race coming up and avery's race schedule um mm -hmm. but if, i'd say for the year we probably run together like somewhere between 25 and 50 percent of the time depending on that season and you know who's tapering and who's not yeah. um other, I, I really enjoy running alone. Um, yeah. Like if we have friends in town or something, like I might get out with them once, but I'm not a big like group run type person. Um, yeah. And as far as mileage, so like two weeks before race, I really cut it down to, I'd say two weeks out, 40 miles, the week of maybe 25. Um, and then the weeks like five, four and three, I'm trying to hit triple figures. Um, we live in Silverton, which like we're, we're at 9,300 feet. Um, and like everything you're running is you're going straight up or straight down. And so yeah, yeah. sometimes those triple digits don't happen just because your miles are so much slower and, and to get them, you would be out there for 60 hours a week or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which sometimes I am, but, um, I'd say, you know, weeks five through three are like my huge, huge volume weeks. Um, most other weeks I'd say I'm in the 70 to 90 range. Um, and then after race, I try to take off, um, at least uh, for a hundred milers, at least uh, 10 miles or 10 days after just okay. with like out any running whatsoever, just to make no. sure. No. Yeah. My body is like back on track with my metabolism and my sleep. And even like, you can't, I think, feel every little thing that you do during hundred miles. And so right. those 10 days, I think just really reset my body. Um, and it makes me want to like crave running again afterwards and so like that day 11 like i'm itching just to go for a little bit of like just a few miles yeah, i think that yeah. hung that hunger to get back out there is important too yeah yeah no i think that's really important to talk about because the mentality especially nowadays and maybe this will lead a little bit like i don't know how familiar are you with david goggins uh i would say pretty familiar like i've read his book i've listened to a couple podcasts of his yeah. um yeah, definitely familiar with, with his story and, and where he's at. His story, his mentality, right? It's, you know, I mean, the Moab 240 just recently, he got off course. Right. Had some high altitude sickness, hospital sure. kicked off. And of course, he comes back against doctor's orders and uh, finishes the race, right? That's kind of right. who he is. And I kind of feel like, in a way, maybe he's trapped himself into that a little bit too. Like, especially now with the book. And oh, the it's success. an image, yeah. I gotta go back and now do this because I am David Goggins and that's what everybody Oh, is. yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I'm sure he like wants to because I think that that's also his mentality is like you have yes. to finish what you start. Yes, totally, totally. But, but it's definitely an image now too where like it's expected. Like he can't take a day off and be like, well, I had a shitty race and I'm just going to call it. Like, no, yeah. you got to yeah. you gotta prove that you are who you say you are. You got to walk the walk too. Yeah. So that's maybe my question for you is because it can be easy to get into that. You know, just like what you're talking about, you finish a race, 
you're a runner. Like that's what you, you want to go run, right? You don't want to take a day off. And sometimes when we feel even as athletes, like to take a day off is weakness or really there's so much importance in like, you don't even know. Sometimes you might feel good. I think is what I heard you saying, but yeah, you're still not quite there. Right. For sure. So yeah. How, how much of it can it, is it just like, I'm just going to drive through this like David Goggins. I don't care what the doctors say. I'm just going to do it. Cause that's who I am. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge part of, of training that a lot of, let's say elites like miss out on, or maybe like it's you um, like you want to run and like, that's what you're good at. And like, when you finish a hundred miles, like hypothetically you're in the best shape of your life at that point, because you've put in the four or five months of training to get to that one day. Yeah. And then that day, let's say that day goes perfectly and you finish and you're not injured and um, you know, you you're sore for a few days, but then you wake up and like, I want to use this fitness more, but, but I feel like when I first got into the sport, I was told you can either be number one for two or three years, or you can have a career that lasts, let's say five to 20 years and be podium, maybe not first, but um, you won't be injured. And so like your longevity in the sport will be there. And so I think that's been like kind of my mindset from the get go is like, I love this so much. I don't want to burn it out too quickly and I don't want to walk away injured. And so like, I see, well, not even elites. I don't mean to, to, to put those in a box but like mm -hmm. like mid packers too like i see their race schedules or friends of mine and i'm like holy cow like you're doing a hundred at least once a month like <laughs> yeah that blows my mind like one of my generals that it, it doesn't always get followed but like 100 every six months okay. and like your body can't really handle more than that and i think that maybe like after you know years and years and years of doing it like your body can but people get into the sport and they're so hungry for it and they they have that drive and that passion. And then two years later, like they have a serious like Achilles injury or knee problems or lower back or whatever it is. And it's, it's because those base miles weren't there. Like no matter how much you think they are like to run a hundred miles, like you can take it like as, Oh, it's just a hundred miles. But at the same time, it's a hundred miles. Like that is so hard on your body. Yeah. And I think that's just overlooked a lot because you get used it, you get sucked into this little world where it's normal and it's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, yeah, like you said, you get sucked in the world and kind of that's all you see in your, your newsfeed is other people that are doing what you're doing. But the reality is, is like you said, like no one's ever, no one really knows anything about it, especially here in the U S um, right. You know, it's really not that commonplace, but when you get inside of it, you kind of, you think you feel like it is, or you can get trapped into that. Well, and that's another reason, like I had to step away from social media a little bit. because like, I see all these great, for me, great female runners. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, they're racing monthly or, or every two months. And it's just like, oh, I should be doing that too. Like I want those sponsorships and I want that recognition and whatever it is. And so you almost get sucked into to racing more than, than is healthy for you. And you have to remind yourself, like you're seeing their highlights. Like you're not, yeah. you don't see whatever like weird, like injury that they're dealing with and they're racing through, or you don't see, um, I don't know, like just everything that goes outside of that, that one little picture blurb that you read. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was just healthier for me <laughs> to be like, I'm going to do my own race schedule and that's all that matters. And like, I love so it. I, I kind of like stopped following the sport to an extent just because like mentally for me, it was too exhausting to yeah. try and keep up and to keep myself on that same level. Yeah. 
yeah, and what I, you know, just looking at your your success and and what you've been able to do, that I don't think there's any. Uh, it's not a mistake that that's happening that way because of the the approach that you're taking for that. What you talked a little bit about vision, like five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Like, what is, what is your vision for you in this coming up? Yeah. Um, so each year, I kind of my race schedule. I pick one race, and that's like my dream race. And everything revolves around that single race. Um, and so this upcoming year is a little bit different, actually. I'm on the fence between um, I'm I'm going to sign up for UTMB along with Hard Rock. And um, as I just talked about, not doing more than 200s or you know all the rules I just laid out for myself is yeah. totally goes against it. <laughs> so we'll see when it gets closer um, how my training goes. And I mean, Hard Rock was canceled this year, so and I didn't really have a backup in place. And so. Um, I want to have a backup this year and not kind of be stuck in the sand wondering what, what race I can possibly jump into. Um, and so it'll be their hard rock for UTMB. And then um, that's this year. So then next year, like assuming those go well, like it'll go on to like Western or, or Leadville, like my, my top four races that like, I'm probably just going to cycle through until I win them and then I'll scratch them off and move on to the next. Um, yeah. And I, I uh, feel like those are the races that like get the most recognition, make my sponsors happy um, and elevate my career that much more, you know? And so I'll pick, you know, maybe a hundred K or a 50 miler or a few 50 Ks leading into that. Um, but I typically don't taper for those. Like, like I would for a hundred, like they're more training runs. Um, and a hundred is like my big, my baby for the year. Yeah. What about the bad water? Any ever had any thoughts? On that I do. One? Yeah, I, I, like so. It definitely appeals to me. It's just the, yeah. the, there's so many races in the summer, and so you kind of have to like be strong and narrow it down and yeah. Yeah. know like what really speaks to you. Um, I would say if I had a list of like top five or top six, like that would definitely be on the list. Um, it just the timing doesn't really work for any of my other races that I like my top four races sure. um and i mean it's on road which isn't really my specialty yeah, yeah. Um, but i feel like i would be like the heat aspect and the climbing yeah. aspect i would really like to tackle at some point okay yeah um we're getting close to wrapping this up just i got one more question that i really want to ask is uh, we all have turning points or like critical decisions critical moments that come up in our life and I think you've, you've probably already kind of talked about one of them, but um, yeah, is there a, a moment or two that really kind of pops in your head where had you chosen a different path, like than the one you did, you wouldn't be where you are today. Potentially doing something completely different might not even be ultra running, uh, but probably not Colorado. Like, yeah, just, it really kind yeah. of define us as people. So I would say there's like two major turning points. Um, the first one being, um, like as a kid, like through high school, like there was nothing else I wanted to be other than like a veterinarian. Like I worked at a vet clinic for five years. I, um, through high school, like I was going to go to WSU in Washington state and I was like going to do their vet program. And like, that was my dream. And I was going to, I don't know, like pursue that with everything I had. Um, my senior year of high school, my parents got a divorce and all the money went to the lawyers. <laughs> so, so then I was kind of like stuck, like, okay, I'm paying for my own college now. And I 
was terrified of taking out loans. So I ended up going to community college. And um, after two years there, I just like needed to, I'd never been on an airplane before. I had never, cause I was one of six. Like we didn't go like on huge family vacations. Like we, we drove to the beach that was two hours away. And so um, when I, I dropped, I did two years college and then I decided to drop out or, or just take a break. And I um, got a job in Alaska and then um, worked in Minnesota, then like spent a month in New Zealand and went back to Alaska and like just traveled around as much as like I could at that point. And, like really just like cut all ties from my like tiny little hometown and like really like learned who I was, which sounds corny, but yeah. like it was nice to like get away from that. Cause I grew up in like a dairy farm community. And so it's very small, um, like 50 in my graduating class. And so yeah. from like, I just, hopped on as many planes I could that year and just really traveled um and then I ended up in Colorado um and when I was in Colorado I'm slowly getting to the second turning point um I got a job at Bubba Gum Shrimp Company and um yeah like worked my way up to uh, be a manager there and I said I want to be like I want to climb this ladder as high as I can to my regional manager like how do I do that and so I went to New York City um and I was uh, the head training manager in Times Square there and I was gonna, like, my dream was just keep climbing that ladder as high as I could. Um, and so when I was in New York City, like that that Leadville drawing, I think was was another huge turning yeah, point. Like right. I wasn't entirely loving what I was doing. And I was making a de- decent paycheck, but it wasn't like, I think just like letting go of like the typical like American dream of going to a four year college and becoming a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is. And then all, the second one is like giving letting go of like having to like have the the money to buy that house or to have the car you want to drive or like just anything material that like we're supposed to like pursue and like we're supposed to work 80 hours a week and like just be exhausted all the time and and like you're supposed to take pride in that and I think just like letting go of that and saying I'm gonna live in Colorado and I'm gonna make eight dollars an hour or whatever it is working at a running store and I'm going to um I'm going to be happy, but like, I'm probably going to be broke, but I'm going to be doing what I love. And so I think like coming to that realization and just like fighting through until you make it finally, um, that was probably the second big turning point. Um, cause I mean, I just as easily could have grinded it out in New York and I don't know, like I probably would have, yeah, would have loved it, but I would have been would working. A little bit of a safer yeah. play too, right? I mean, from the outside looking in safer play of like, Hey, you already got this, you're here. Um, why go do this? Why go all the way over here to to run this and to commit your life to giving up right. things and all that? It, it's just awesome to hear stories. Well, and, it's, yeah, it's like what what is your what are your parents going to think? Like you just moved to yeah. New York City, and like you're pursuing this career, and then um, like you're going to give it all up, and you're right. for for something that <laughs> like I'd only I'd finished one fifty miler and I dropped Leadville eighty seven. So yeah. like you're going to pursue this career well, like career um, yeah, yeah. and be like a really successful trail runner, but <laughs> nobody can see that dream, but you, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And you did it and, and here you are. Um, so that's great. It's a great story. What's um, what are, what are one or two things that you could leave with the listeners as we do this up? Help them up? I, mean, I like to think that the listeners are similar driven um they want more they want to continue to get a little bit better um so yeah what 
what's one or two things that you could maybe give them? I would say um, finding joy in in running and finding joy in whatever it is you do because you can have goals and to get there it might not be enjoyable for you and you are maybe struggling to get out for your run or struggling um, just to go to work every day or, or whatever it is like you need to be happy and so how do you make that happen like it shouldn't be something that's painful or stressful like it should be something you take take true true joy in so if you're not happy in your job like it's so easy for me to say um but like walk away from that job like and it's it's so much harder if you have kids or people relying on you but um mm -hmm. you'll be better to the people around you if, if you are taking enjoyment out of life and yeah. like, don't put unnecessary stress to goals that don't matter to you like um you should just like really truly enjoy what you're doing and, and if you're not then find a way to get there because um in the long run, you'll be so much happier than if you just stick with it because you feel like you should be gutting it out. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, what are what are a few ways that the listeners can find you, follow you? Uh, I know we talked about social yeah. media. And I, I do do social media, awesome. but I try. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Facebook is just Sabrina Stanley. Um, Instagram is Sabrina Lee Ann Stanley. Um, and yeah, I'd say those are like the two. I, I do Twitter, but it's just my Instagram feed, so you might as well just follow that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what, uh, what, what is the next race coming up? Oh, I haven't signed up for one. Yeah, well, Hard Rock is definitely on the, the docket, um, but I would say um, Transvolcania, I think I'm going to sign up for and do, uh, which is a little bit shorter than my wheelhouse, so okay. you have to work on some speed work. <laughs> All right. But yeah, Transvolcania will be my next one. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I really do appreciate it. It's been fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Hey, babe.